guys can jump on now whenever you get a chance. So tonight we're going to be talking about a little bit some uh, something a little bit different. We're going to be talking about the stock market. That's what we do here at Prodigious Kentuckians. We talk about a little bit about everything. It's what makes it interesting. So I'm happy to welcome uh, Dr. Amanda Deerfield, an economics professor. So she knows a hell of a lot more about this than we do. So that's why we brought her on. And we want to thank you very much for me asking you like an hour ago and you willing to you being willing to jump on so quickly. So uh, thank you very much for that. And uh, so just at first, if you would just tell us a little bit about yourself, if you if you don't mind doing that, and then we'll we'll just jump right into it. Sure. So uh, I am, uh, a, I was born in Kentucky, so I would be a, a, a Kentuckian. Um, I was born at the University of Kentucky Hospital back in the 80s. Um, I received a bachelor's degree in economics, an MBA, and my PhD in public administration from the University of Kentucky. Um, I lived uh, in Grayson, Kentucky for a bit of my childhood, and then a, a lot of my childhood was in Richmond, Kentucky. I went to model lab school there in Richmond on Eastern's campus. Um, after I graduated with my PhD, I worked at the Cato Institute, and then I've worked at a couple colleges, uh, Odessa College, James Madison University, uh, University of Virginia. And now uh, I'm in my fifth year at St. Mary's College of Maryland, which is a liberal arts school uh, here in Maryland where I live. All right, great. Well, welcome. It's uh, it's great to have you here, and and it's good to have Julie back. She's willing to jump on here at very last minute as well. So, so thanks for coming on a second night in a row. Um, yes, yes. So, I guess the big question is, could you explain to us in basic terms? There's been a lot of talk on Facebook and pretty much everywhere else. Uh, can you explain to us in basic terms what's going on? Talk a little bit about the stock market and just what's going on right now. So there's been a lot of drama happening in the stock market in the past couple of trading days. Um, and so basically what's going on is that there's these uh, what we call institutional investors or these hedge funds that you might hear them called. And what they do is they use a lot of really fancy computer stuff and a lot of math, and they try to figure out how they can make the most money possible. And sometimes they engage in really risky or really complex, you could almost think about it being gambling in the stock market. Um, and so what they've done with GameStop and with some other uh, uh, stocks here in the past, um, past few weeks, is they shorted those stocks. Now, what that means is that they bet that those stocks prices are gonna go down in the future. Now, what they actually do is they borrow those stocks from a brokerage firm, you could think about, and they pay interest on borrowing those stocks. That's why the, the firm would loan it to them. And then there's this time period that they they sell those stocks at the current market price when they borrow them. And what they do is they hope that in the future, the price of that stock is gonna go down. And then they're gonna buy that stock back at a lower price and give it back to the, the company they borrowed it from. So what they're hoping, for example, they thought that maybe if they bought the GameStop stock at $40 um, and then, uh, 
in the future, if it went down to $20, that they could buy it back and they could make that $20 before they gave that stock back to the original broker. So they were hoping to do that with a number of stocks. Um, and so what ended up happening though, is we have a group and I'll talk a little bit later about this group and uh, this group on Reddit, um, they, they decided they were going to buy some of these stocks uh, increasing demand, which increases the price. And as a result, uh, a bunch of these stocks that these hedge funds, these kind of, we could think about them being like filthy rich type people, um, they thought these stock prices were gonna go down a lot and they ended up going up a whole lot. Uh, so it cost them a bunch of money. So the, the group on Reddit, um, Wall Street Bets, I suppose is, is, is one of the big ones. And um, so I, I guess the, the, there's a, a bit of confusion and Julie, feel free to jump in anytime. But there's been, there's been a bit of confusion, I think, as to you know, who that actually is. Some people, I've heard some people have said, uh, you know, kind of equate it to grassroots uh, people, uh, you know, people just investors that don't know as much as uh, people who are in it actually, you know, making these trades every day, you know, that sort of thing. I guess one of the big questions that I have is, how come this has never happened before? How come you have never had, uh, organized would be a generous term, but uh, a, a group of people behind the scenes who have come together um, and said, you know, we're, we're all gonna invest in this stock and make its stock go up and then, you know, make some money and sell it off. I know that happens like, you know, in, on Wall Street, you know, that happens on, on, on Wall Street from time to time, but this, this does, in my memory, I don't remember anything like this ever happening. Is this unique? Well, and so one of the reasons that we see this happening is we can kind of think about the novelty of social media. Um, so we know that uh, different types of like-minded individuals can find each other on Facebook or on Reddit or on um, maybe some other uh, social media platforms. And whether they're getting together for you know, good reasons or bad reasons, um, this social media platform that allows these people to connect in these large numbers, that's pretty new, right? So the ability to connect with people all over the world when you have similar, um, similar thoughts and beliefs with them, that's pretty new uh, when we compare it to you know, our, our long history here. Um, so I think that the social, so social media thing has really uh, made it easier to connect with these like-minded people. So you have this group of people on Reddit. So you could even think about them being you know, uh, mostly maybe millennials, Generation Z, people who use Reddit heavily, um, as well as we can think about these people who are a bit nostalgic for, um, for GameStop. Right. So my college students today, a lot of the guys specifically talked about how they grew up in GameStop and they were really disheartened to hear that they were uh, they'd fallen on hard times. And so they joined um, joined forces in this Reddit and they thought, you know, maybe we can do something here. So just joining uh, that platform and being able to connect with others uh, really gave them some power in numbers. Yeah. So I'm curious to know all of these pieces from like what the hedge funds do to the whole idea of shorting the stocks to what the, the these group of, of loosely organized people through reddit have done 
all of this is legal, right? This is all above board. This is what we expect to go on in the, the, the stock market. Is that true? So, yes, it's legal in our current legal framework. Does that mean it would have always been legal? Uh, maybe not, because throughout time, we've had different laws governing um, the securities and exchange, um, you know, our stock exchange. Um, so, you know, we know that there are, uh, there's changes that have been made to how the stock markets run or to even um, what type of stock dealings banks and hedge funds are able to engage in. Um, and so one of the big, big deals about these hedge funds is that they're borrowing these stocks from that, that broker originally in order to short. Um, they're borrowing those on margin, which means that they don't actually, um, they don't have the money to buy all of those stocks, they're borrowing. And so when that time period ends and they have to give that stock back, they've got to come up with the cash, right? And so that's one of the things that makes this a little bit uh, shady and even a little bit more difficult on the hedge fund side is that they get these big rewards, right? We're thinking really rich people here. Um, but they're taking big risks. And this, uh, this shows what happens when those risks um, kind of go the other way for them. Mm -hmm. Well, to, to add on to that, you know, so then I've start, heard the, the rumblings about then the certain apps, um, certain places people were buying through the stocks closed it down for them, but the hedge funds were still able to keep buying is, is how I understood what's happened. Um, and so there's some, some folks that are unhappy about that and there's the possibility maybe of a lawsuit. Is that something that there's, is there something truly problematic there or are they allowed to do that? Well, so I think that we could even maybe step back a little bit and kind of view this as tension between, as Trent mentioned, a grassroots group and you know the filthy rich hedge fund people. And we can think about how this tension has been building in our country as we've seen inequality increasing in the past you know, 40 years, um, but also more recently following the Great Recession. Um, so if I do think about the likely users of Reddit and perhaps some of the people that were in this grassroots movement, um, thinking about the fact that they are maybe younger individuals, they've got student loan debt, maybe they graduated college during the Great Recession, and they're seeing that these big banks have gotten bailed out. These big companies have gotten bailed out. We've seen CEOs take millions of dollars from government stimulus. Meanwhile, people can't afford you know, regular items. Um, and so I think there's a lot of tension right there between those two things. And so added to that tension, is that this, this loosely coordinated group of investors uh, really beat the hedge fund guys at their own game, right? Um, but then uh, they, they couldn't get on the apps to engage to really kind of sock it to them one more time. And so what's, what the apps are saying now, so earlier today, they weren't really uh, making any public statements. They were probably really trying to figure out what was happening. Um, but what they're saying now is they are saying that they're clearing houses. Mm -hmm. So there's these companies that work for these apps kind of, and you can think about them as being like the plumbing system when it comes to like stocks and exchanging money and exchanging stocks and all of that. And what they're saying is they're saying that there were so many volatile trades happening that the clearing houses that clear these trades for the different apps uh, were saying they needed to be frozen because the apps needed to put up more money in order to kind of um, to kind of put that collateral there for those trades. 
And so now these apps are, are saying that that's where the blame lies. That's why they had to shut down the trading. Um, so I don't know. I know you mentioned the lawsuit. I think that there's been a few of our uh, members of Congress who want to look into this. So I think we'll be, you know, there'll be subpoenas. We'll be seeing uh, what's going on in regards to, um, you know, was there communication between the clearinghouse and the app? Or did the app just shut it down and then later blamed it on the clearinghouse? Well, that's a right? That's a question that I, I was actually going to ask. I, I'm a, I have Robinhood. I have the app. Mm -hmm. I, I traded, I bought some shares of AMC and Dogecoin, you know, a few other little things. And um, we didn't hear anything from Robinhood other than if you sign on, it said there's a little thing across the bottom that says, you know, it's uh, buying is disabled at this time with no explanation for, for, uh, most of today until maybe a couple of hours ago. So I was wondering that myself, why did it take them so long to to come out and explain that? Maybe they were trying to figure out how to best, I mean, it seems like a long time. I don't know that anybody knows the answer to that, but. <laughs> Thanks a while. Well, good PR <laughs> response. Yeah. You know, and I kind of hold people to a higher standard. I mean, you know, these people that run these apps are making a ton of money. Um, so I kind of hold them to a bit of a higher standard. If you're making millions of dollars, you need to communicate with your users what's going on. Um, and to have an, a delay like that, you know, if they could have easily said it's their clearinghouse, they should have just said due to um, some of the uh, financial laws and the volatility in the market, we need to pause this instead of kind of leaving people to wonder, are they in cahoots with the hedge funds? And that's why they're, they're doing it. Yeah. We do have some questions, and Julie, did you have something first, Julie? Uh, I was going to kind of springboard onto a, a little bit of a, a question for the future. So let's let's take some uh, of our watchers' questions first. Okay. Well, there's a Patrick. There's a comment here that Robinhood is going to start allowing uh, trading of stocks tomorrow, and from what I understand, those are limited trades. But I, I've read through several posts, and I haven't seen anything that explains what limited posting is. You know, what time does that start? Are they gonna, you know, start allowing GameStop again, AMC again, all the ones that they restricted? Uh, what does that restriction mean? There's been no explanation to that. Do you, do you know anything more about that, Amanda? I don't. Um, and so really, I think that if, the, if this is, is true and accurate, that it's coming from their clearinghouse, then they have, uh, they're going to have specific restrictions based on the collateral they've put up with the clearinghouse. However, you know, these people that are running these apps are making millions of dollars. They need to be communicating better with the users about what's going on. I mean, this is a big news event. They need to come out and say, our clearinghouse said we can make X trades in X number of hours, right? They don't need to just have this little thing on the bottom that tells you that that's inappropriate, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm curious to, to, to know, you know, it's interesting that this happened, you know, now versus maybe a month ago, right? With uh, an administration change at the federal level. Um, what do you think the likelihood is, is that there's gonna be maybe some um, stronger looking into what's transpired and the possibility, is there a possibility that they might bring more regulations at the federal level? Do you think that there's going to be some changes to the way things happen because of this? I mean, definitely it's interesting now that we have, you know, the Democrats both in power in the executive as well as the legislative branch. Um, and so I think that 
you know, we saw several comments from politicians today saying things like, well, the hedge fund investors have been using our stock market and our financial system as a casino for years. And now they don't like it when it comes back on them. Um, and so I think that words like that coming from our legislators, especially, you know, I saw Senator Warren, um, you know, she's got a, a very good history on, on regulating uh, our financial sector. So I think that we are going to see some more regulation um, because the fact that these, I mean, the, this is really this is really serious for our financial system. This does create volatility. This creates instability. Um, this is not necessarily what you want for uh, a developed country's financial system. What about this lawsuit? Is it something that anyone can join, even if you own one share? I don't know if that's something that you would be able to answer here, right here and now. But uh, I think it's a question that a lot of people have. Is it just for people who own millions of dollars, or you know, can anyone join it? So from what I understand, it's a class action lawsuit, um, which means that anybody could join it. Um, and so if you had one type of these stocks and you were affected and that you wanted to sell it today and you couldn't, then I think that you can join. Um, so obviously you can go on to the law firm's websites and check it out. Um, but if you were affected in that way, I think that they probably will eventually have some type of settlement. Yeah, because, you know, if you if you owned, a, let's say you have... I don't know, $100,000 in your bank account. Mm -hmm. And you're a new investor, you got all excited about this and you you threw in $50,000. Don't do and, that. <laughs> yeah, that's a bad idea, but I'm just, I'm just hypothetical. Some people probably did this, you know. Um, they threw in a lot, you know, a good percentage of their life savings because they saw all these things, uh, all these uh, posts on Reddit and all these different places. And they put in a certain amount of money and, uh, um, you know, at some point this morning or whenever it was, you know, trading was restricted uh, and you, uh, at least buying was restricted. So I think you could sell it off, but you couldn't buy it, which in turn, if people aren't able to buy it, the stock's not going to go up, you know. So you had a certain amount of money in there and the stock is naturally going to go down if it's if the only thing you can do is sell it for, for most of these companies. So to me, that sounds like uh, a lot of people lost a lot of money at the fault of the fact that they put those restrictions out there. And I don't know how they would go about deciding uh, how much money people lost, but uh, that's, I, I don't know. Uh, that, that's just a comment, I guess, not necessarily a question. <laughs> you feel free to comment on that if you want. I mean, you know, it's very tricky in the legal world when there's not actual damages. So yeah, it would be difficult for a lawyer to say, well, how much would the stocks have gone up if we could do that? Um, however, I'm sure that this has affected so many people and it's in the news. So someone will be trying to do that. We'll see what's going on eventually. It'll, we'll see what shakes out here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, Julie, do you have anything else? I'll take a look through the questions while you're. Sure. Yeah. I, I'm just, I'm curious to know, you know, what does this mean for the stability of our, of our economy? You know, I'm immediately thrown back to, what, you know, 2007, 2008, the housing crisis, um, that had a big personal effect on myself and, and um, you know, how that shook out. And that was something that started off with how they were packaging those, those home loans and, and reselling them. Um, does this kind of volatility have um, the potential to have a big impact on our economy as a whole? So I would say that what happened today is not gonna throw us into some type of great recession. Um, thank goodness. However, the actions of these hedge fund investors are pretty similar. Um, and so, I mean, 
really the way that they are borrowing, um, that they're investing on le using leverage is very dangerous. Um, the fact that they could be affiliated with big banks is very dangerous. Um, and the fact, as you know, I, I point out what Senator Warren said, um, you know, using our stock market system, the stock market is set up so that people who want to start businesses or people who want to grow their businesses can access financial capital. And so really the reason that we see the stock market is so that people have access to money to they, so they can grow their future businesses. It's not really made for people to have these uh, algorithms and it's not designed to, for an artificial intelligence um, uh, service that they have at some of these, at these, some of these hedge funds uh, to try to really talk about if they trade at this second and at this second, then you'll make more money. Those people aren't really adding anything to our economy. And so the stock market's here so that we can grow different businesses and so they can um, employ our citizens, right? And so having some of our best and brightest go work at these, at these hedge fund companies, it's not really what we want for the economy. We want our best and brightest to be inventing stuff and, and being innovative and creating you know, new, new enterprises. Um, and so overall, it's not really great that this is happening, um, but I don't think it's gonna throw us immediately into a recession or something. And with the new administration, I do think that we probably will see some tightening of these, of these restrictions because um, I, I think I was reading one of the hedge funds is estimated to have lost over a billion dollars. Um, that's, that's a lot of money, right? In the course of a week or so. Um, and so I think that we, we will see some, some restrictions coming out of this. So in your best prediction, what do you think will happen given that GameStop, AMC, and, and these others are overperforming right now, um, at least at least uh, that's what it looks like. What do you think is gonna happen to them in the, in the short term and in the long term? Well, it'll be really interesting to see. So, I mean, I think that now even globally, people have kind of gotten onto this. So I'm, I'm reading that even in some of the Asian markets, some nostalgia companies, as we're kind of referring to AMC and GameStop um, are doing really well. So it will be interesting in the short term. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if people, a lot of the Reddit users and even um, some of the people who work at GameStop are saying that, you know, they're holding on to the stock. They're not gonna be selling it. So I think in the short term, we may see the prices uh, somewhat stabilize a bit higher overvalued than their, their market um, estimates were. Um, but, you know, in the long term, things work themselves out. Uh, so if these companies are incredibly overvalued going into the long term, I don't see all these people holding onto the stocks forever. Eventually, they're going to want to cash out. Yeah, I wasn't a Reddit user until recently. I, I refused for a long time, but I became one. And, you know, I, I paid attention to what Wall Street bets were doing and, uh, and, and people on Twitter and all this other stuff. And uh, basically what was happening was you had was it R slash uh, Wall Street Bets, I think is the main, mm. the main person kind of behind this. I don't, I don't, I don't think we know who that person is, but, uh, but basically a group of people on Reddit and other places, Twitter and other places, who had this big idea to uh, rally a bunch of people behind certain stocks, get that stock you know, going again, uh, that was that was otherwise fairly doomed <laughs> and uh, you know make a make a bunch of money off of it and I've seen people posting that they've made you know you know 
thousands, millions of dollars off, off of this. And a lot of them are refusing to sell. And they're saying, you know, selling at this point is being a sellout. <laughs> so, you know, hold on to it as long as you can. And they keep posting screenshots of how much they have invested in it. There's one guy on there with over $10 million in GameStop. And uh, he he's like, you know, if I can, if I'm going to, stick it out for the long haul, then, you know, you guys can too. So there's a, there's some interesting stuff going on behind the scenes. And I've been just kind of quietly watching it and paying attention to it with my measly, very small amount in there. <laughs> yeah, I don't anticipate that very many people are going to be able to hold out on that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I probably wouldn't. I probably wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Julie, do you have any other questions? If anybody, uh, if anybody else has any other questions, we'll we'll let Amanda go back to her evening here in a little bit. But if anybody listening has any, anybody live listening, obviously has any questions, feel free to post them. We'll try to get to them before we end for the evening. Yeah, I'm just, um, you know, thinking back to something you said, Amanda, at the at kind of the very beginning of of our conversation about this being indicative of the growing inequity in our country, inequality between the haves and the haves-nots, as somehow as sometimes called, um, you know, people who have tremendous amounts of of wealth, um, and then the, the you know the middle class that's kind of dying um, in many ways in the United States. Um, and I think that's such an interesting thing to, to talk about that. I also saw, you know, kind of floating around the posts of people even from other countries, from India, from Canada and other places who are buying some of these stocks as well. And with comments like, hey, we got we got your back, America, yeah, yeah. You know, kind of jumping in and this kind of interesting globalization of um, little guy against the big guys. Um, and I think that's kind of fascinating. And, and I'm, you know, this is purely conjecture, obviously, on any of our parts at this point. But it makes me question, you know, kind of in this globalized world that we're living in, um, how do, how can we begin to even kind of address that, where we do have this hugely growing gap of, of, of inequality. Um, and we do have people who are playing with huge amounts of money that is, frankly, for myself as, as uh, you know, a normal white collar professional, I can't even imagine having the kind of money to play in that realm. Um, how do we begin to address that as a country, but also even as the world um, and the world economy as we're all interdependent? Well, that's the, that's a very important question, right? Um, and so you did, and so I do kind of like to think about it as kind of, you know, we could think about Main Street versus Wall Street, right? So you've got just these filthy rich people, you have one hedge fund guy saying, oh, I might have to sell my Hamptons house to buy back these stocks, right? Um, but I do kind of want to point out, you know, these Reddit users, they're probably not impoverished, right? Or they're not going to have money to buy the stocks. Now, when we do think about the growing inequality problem we have in the United States, going back all the way to, to the Reagan tax cuts of the, of the 1980s, um, one thing that we can do to start to address it is tax really rich people a lot more, right? Why do they have all this money to play with? Tax them and give it to the government and maybe let's use it for schools or healthcare, right? Um, and so that's one thing that we could think about doing is getting back to maybe our 1960 or our 1970 levels of income taxation. Um, so to, to let really rich people have these 20% income tax on their uh, you know, millions and millions of dollars, let's raise that up, right? Um, and so that could take care of part of the problem when you think about they have all this money to, to toy with our financial system. Let's just take some of that back, right? 
Um, but part of it does come from, you know, this grassroots movement, people being like, we are tired of this. And I know that I, I did point out kind of the generational divide of how things have really hit Generation Z and millennials when it comes to student loan debt, right? We've had to deal with private loan companies who have charged us interest rates and fees that are unconscionable to a lot of people in other countries um, who, who pursue higher education. That's not fair. And so I think that maybe we're seeing uh, these two generations kind of having enough of it, right? See, going through the Great Recession, going through the pandemic and seeing some of these businesses being bailed out even after the pandemic and after the Great Recession, um, where people, where individuals really haven't, haven't seen that um, help that they've needed. Um, so I think that maybe, and, and using social media kind of as a tool to kind of get people together like they did on, on Reddit here to say, you know, we're tired of this. And these people did, they said, let's stick it to these hedge fund people and and they did, they beat them at their own game. Um, and so we need this to happen more, right? Uh, so of course we could elect people who want to raise those taxes. We could elect people who want to increase regulatory oversight of our financial sector. Um, but it's, it's difficult uh, convincing all of our citizens that those are the people we need to elect. Um, it's also difficult uh, when we have this close relationship between businesses and politicians, when businesses are providing a lot of political contributions, right? And obviously they expect nothing in return. Um, and so we, we might need to look back at some of our rules and try to make things a little bit different. Maybe we need to kind of cut this, uh, this tie between businesses and political contributions. And we saw following the insurrection um, in early January, we saw a lot of businesses coming out, companies saying, you know, we're going to pause our political contributions right now. Uh, so maybe they should stop them all together, right? Uh, and we could let politicians really listen to the people instead of maybe listening to, to pocketbooks. Um, but it's gonna take a lot, Julie. <laughs> yeah, good good points. Um, just just a, a few more things and we'll, we'll let you go for the evening. I noticed that right before the show, Dodgecoin was up 218% from this morning uh, after I was trading. I was actually going to bring up what Julie brought up earlier with other countries having her back, so to speak, since our trading was restricted. I noticed quite a few people from Canada were on there saying, you know, we have your back, Americans. <laughs> so that's that was really interesting. Another, another thing that was interesting to me is there was a, there, a few minutes today of unity from Republicans and Democrats. Ted Cruz retweeted Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Uh, that didn't last long, but <laughs> but there was that. And uh, I watched the, the five on Fox News earlier, and even they were uh, agreeing that, that this was a bad thing to happen for, as, as I call it, as we were calling it earlier, grassroots investors. I think a lot of people will, who are new at investing and they think, oh, this is exciting. This is fun. This is cool. You know, um, perhaps younger people, I'm not really sure. I don't want to categorize anybody uh, who are, you know, just new at this, will get in, have gotten in, and they they see all this crazy stuff and all these restrictions, and they'll probably never invest again. Um, I don't know. I mean, I if people are getting into it for gambling purposes, um, then they might not do it again because they might be like, "Well, what's the point in me gambling in this, and then I don't have access to my account?" 
right? Um, but I think in general, the person who's buying stocks kind of has an idea of what's going on and they might be doing it as more of a long-term play. Uh, I don't know. In regards to the globalization thing, I think that, you know, following what happened at the Capitol, uh, following the Democrat takeover um, in, in Congress, as well as the election of our new president, I think that a lot of our ally countries are kind of like, wow, we really hope America has turned it around and is going to start maybe doing the right thing. Let's see if we can help them. Um, so I think maybe they they really do have our back. They want to see things going well. And they're also, um, they're aware that here in America, we have more problems with inequality. They're aware of our filthy rich hedge fund investors who've got private jets and private islands and private all kinds of things, right? Um, so they, they probably want to stick it to them too. Well, this was a very unexpected thing to happen midweek. I was, I had plans to get a lot more work done and I had all these things planned and this happened and I focused all my time on this. <laughs> Julie, do you have any other questions? I think that's all the questions we have for now. Uh, do you have any other comments or questions before we wrap up? Yeah, my, my final thought that I'm just going to kind of take away from this and think on some more is I, I'm interested as well as on what you've, you've remarked a couple times, Amanda, about the generational differences. And, um, you know, that's something I think is, is very true. And I'm curious to see, you know, how this will play out, um, both in the immediate, but also in the longer term. Um, you know, I think that, that we don't have a strong understanding, um, some of us who are older, I'm Gen X myself, um, you know, of, of what it means to grow up as a millennium. Gen X is not old. <laughs> right. Older. I said, did I say old? I meant older. Yikes. Um, <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm curious to see where, where this will go. You know, my kids are teenagers now and, you know, they have a more cynical outlook on life than, than I grew up with because, you know, the world's been through a lot the last 10 years um, that they can remember. So I think you make a good point there too. And, and I think we'll all be interested to see, you know, where this leads us. Um, we're at a precipice of some interesting times, I think. Yeah, and I think for most of us millennials, at least, we are comrades with you Gen Xers. Um, you know, the big difference is being that uh, Gen Xers, you all grew up with parents who were generally more chill, right, um, and who left you home alone more than the typical millennial might. But also a big difference economically is that um, you all didn't generally end up having six figures of debt for a bachelor's degree. And that's where a lot of millennials and even especially Generation Z now, that's what they have. Um, and that's a big deal. Uh, and you all had nice jobs before the Great Recession, right? Um, so we're comrades with you, but I think that that is why we're more cynical is because we have had these things that we have no control over. And also it kind of hurts when you know other people didn't have six figures of college debt when you graduate, right? Um, and so I think that at least I'm seeing from my students a lot um, that they really feel that that is unfair. Um, and so that, that cynical uh, thing that you're talking about, I think is from knowing that it's, it's not fair and that things don't have to be that way. But now they can vote along with us. So we'll see how it goes. Yes, and I think that's a, a good answer for all of us is to be engaged and, mm -hmm. um, and, and not just take our cynicism and um, hide in the corner. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you very much for taking the time out of your Thursday night to, uh, to join us just right out of the blue. So it is very much appreciated. You explain things very well. And uh, awesome. we appreciate that here. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank so you. Next, 
Next week on our show, we, we did something a little bit new tonight. We posted this on my page because we didn't have time to advertise it on the on the show page on Prodigious Kentuckians. But next week at 7 p.m., we're going to have a career night. Going to be, I'm very excited about that. 7 p.m. on Wednesday, we're going to have everybody from nurses to actresses to truck drivers to uh, historians to so much more. So you don't want to miss that show. We're going to have quite a few people on. So uh, please join us at uh, 7 p.m. on Wednesday night on, Prodigi on the Prodigious Kentuckians Facebook page. Thanks again, and we'll see you guys next time.